What's going on? Welcome to the New Music Business. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business. The book, third edition, is now out and available. Go grab it. Today, my episode is a little different. I don't have a special guest. Uh, we're I'm trying to do this uh, answer your questions thing more frequently, and so I uh, put out a request to the email list. Um if you have any questions about anything in your music career um, or the music industry in general, and I'm going to go through them. Now, I got a ton, uh, hundreds, actually. <laughs> so uh, first off, if you're not on that email list, get on that email list. Uh, not only do are we going to do more Q&As like this, uh, we send out all the most relevant information about the new music business to that email list, uh, notify you about new podcast episodes, opportunities like we're going to be at South by this year. Ari's Take is hosting the South by Southwest stage, a showcase. Um, I'm also giving a presentation, a solo presentation on how to release an album in 2023. I'm doing a book signing. Uh, if you're going to be at South by, come say hi, check it out. Uh, we have all that info on our Instagram at Ari's Take. Uh, also on the email list, we'll be sending out uh, notifications about that, which is a good opportunity to remind you to visit us on Instagram and Twitter at Ari's Take. You can find me at Ari Herstan on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we're also on TikTok at Ari's Take, of course. And uh, pause this this show right now and hit that five star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you could. Those really help. And um, hit the subscribe or follow button and let us know. You know, you'll see us in your feed a little bit more. Um, all right, so let's kick into the show. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads and you keep a hundred percent of your royalties check out districtkid.com first question comes from jolie a songwriter in los angeles all right jolie let's see here my question is, for those artists writing in different genres, what should we do if we are writers and our genres are completely different? Spotify will be confused in where we show up as artists as well as our audiences and brand. What do you suggest? Create an alternative Spotify page, social media profiles. Um, great question, Jolie. Uh, yes, that's exactly what you should do. If you write in different styles, you should create different artist projects. Now, I see this happen all the time with artists. Um who, especially producers who make all different kinds of music, especially those that work in sync licensing, um, they, uh, yeah, it's too confusing. I, I know if you have a lot of different genres and different projects, I mean, we, yes, a lot of you are incredibly talented and, and could, you know, create music in all different kinds of genres, but you're absolutely correct that an artist project, so, um, you know, needs an identity and a brand. It is too all over the place if you, um, you know, one day are playing Americana and the next are playing death metal and the next are doing hip hop. It's all over the place. Some people might love the Americana stuff, but really don't care for the other stuff. Um, and so, you know, 
you have to brand it accordingly and separate these projects. Sync licensing is the same way. They need to know that they can come to you for this style of music if that's what they need. They need that Americana. They know they're going to come to this artist name project. Um, they need hip hop. They're going over here. And uh, you have to compartmentalize. So, yes, absolutely separate the projects by uh, genre and style. And they might have a completely different feel, the different branding, you know, all the branding work that you would do for your artist project. Uh, you're going to have to do that for all the different artist projects if you're looking to present, uh, you know, a full artist package, uh, attracting an audience and all that stuff with social media, the aesthetic, the image, the branding, all that stuff. Cool. Um, next question comes from Shelly, manager in training, she says, from Colorado. All right. Hi, Ari. Is it possible to switch membership from one PRO to another? And if so, how? Many thanks. Um, yeah, so PRO stands for Performing Rights Organization in the States. That's ASCAP and BMI. And just to clarify, PROs, um, they collect your performance royalties, and these are for songwriters and publishing companies. So every country has their own PRO. So if you're in the UK, it's PRS. If you're in Canada, it's SOCAN. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you are with one performing rights organization, uh, like if you're with ASCAP in this, you can only be with one. So let's clarify that. Um, so in this in the U.S., uh, you either have to choose ASCAP or BMI, or you know some people are with CSAC, but that's invite only. There's also global music rights. There there are some other various PROs in the states, but like the two that are open to all are ASCAP and BMI. Um, it is very challenging to switch from one or the other. Um, you know there are time periods. There's uh, term lengths, there's there's like once a year, there's this like window of time uh, that you can switch. But, you know, people do it all the time uh, for various reasons. Uh, there's different payment structures for each of them. You know, I'm, I'm personally with ASCAP. Um, I hear that BMI pays better for sync. Uh, but ASCAP uh, pays out more money with fewer members. So they pay better for other things too. It kind of depends on what your focus is. Um, they're both very similar. There's hit songwriters with both ASCAP and BMI. Um, you know, they're both very reputable. So if you are looking to switch because maybe you have an in at another one and they want to put you in writer sessions, but they're like, you know, we're only putting ASCAP writers into writer sessions. So if you come over to ASCAP, we'll get you into sessions. That happens all the time, actually. Uh, yeah, that's a good reason to switch. So just look at the windows of when you can leave one and when you can get into the other. It It, it is challenging and you're going to have to follow up with them because you want to make sure that where all your songs are registered around the world, they're properly registered with your proper performing rights organization and your publishing company or your admin publishing company. Because remember, PROs only handle one type of publishing revenue. There are two kinds of publishing revenue that are uh, earned for... Uh, songwriters and publishing companies, two kinds from streaming. One are performance royalties that are earned from streaming and and other kinds of when you're on the radio, you're on TV, uh, your songs are performed in public. Those are performance royalties. But number two are mechanical royalties and mechanicals uh, are also earned for the publisher and the songwriter. Those come from streaming services uh, and sales. Uh, and those are, like I said, entitled to songwriters. And the only way you can get those is through your admin publishing company, you know, like if you're with SongTrust or TuneCore Publishing or something, or you have a um, an actual kind of um, exclusive publisher, you know, um, like a, you know, Sony Music Publishing or, or whatever, uh, BMG Publishing. Um, 
and they collect all of your publishing royalties, so both mechanical and uh, performance. Uh, if you don't want to work with an admin publisher or a uh, traditional publishing company, you can go directly to the MLC. Uh, that is the in, in the United States and the U.S. The MLC collects all mechanicals uh, generated from you know U.S. mechanicals. If you're anywhere else in the world. You have uh, organizations there that you can register with. You can register with your performing rights organization and your mechanical rights organization. Just kind of search up what those are in your country. Okay, moving on. Tim Oins, uh, sorry for butchering this, Oines, Oins, Tim Oins, solo artist from Twin Cities, Minnesota, my former home. Uh, what is the process involved of recording my own arrangements of famous pieces when it comes to copyrights, royalties, etc.? For example, if I record and sell recordings of my own improvised piano arrangements of pieces popularized by Andrew Lloyd Webber, Barbara Streisand, songs from Les Mis. Ah, we have a musical theater nut on our hands. Um, I love musicals. I was uh, in actually a couple Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals back in the day. We won't get into that. Um, so it's it's um, it's like it's they're called cover songs and uh, the easiest way is just call it a cover song and you're releasing, you know, uh, a cover of these kind of piano, solo piano recordings, call it a cover. Um, a lot of distributors, uh, you know, some of the bigger ones, there's a checkbox or a little additional fee that you can pay for them to secure the cover license for you. Uh, sometimes they don't handle it and you have to go secure your own uh license cover license mechanical license uh like easy song license can help you secure one of those um you don't need permission from the publisher uh you just want to get that mechanical license you don't actually need to pay that much because um all streaming services are required to pay out all of the mechanicals for these cover songs to the publishers um you know traditionally you had to kind of pay for uh, these mechanical licenses because most People were just, you know, working in the download ecosystem. And so uh, iTunes used to pass the money through to the artist or the label. And then the label and artist was required to pay the publisher separately. So that whole system was worked out back in the day when we were just, you know, pre-streaming. But now that we're in streaming, um, you know, you don't actually need to pay for this license. You can just put it up there. Just let them know that uh, this is a cover song. Um, and uh, you're you're fine because that's on the streaming services actually to pay out those royalties. You don't have to pay out those royalties if it's streaming only, but it is it is important. You should let them know there's a cover song. Now, if you're talking your own arrangements, which you are, you're saying arrangements. Um, you know, if you wanted to register it as a derivative work, as a separate arrangement, that does involve a new copyright. If you want to copyright your arrangement, that also requires permission from the publisher. This I wouldn't recommend unless you're planning to make a TV show with these arrangements or get them synced or um, make a musical, your own musical or something like that. Um, honestly, I would just call them cover songs. Uh, you know, the it's very loose, uh, the definition of what you can do with a cover song. Lawyers are going to come at me, but, you know, lawyers are out. Don't get me started on lawyers. <laughs> Anyone who's, who's a lawyer, they, they're, let's, let's remember their business model here for a minute. Uh, no one's going to sue you uh, over, you know, a few thousand or honestly a few million streams, um, especially if it's a close arrangement. Um, even if it's not close, I mean, I could point to a hundred different cover songs out there that 
are wildly different arrangements. Um, you know, it's like I, I could argue that uh, an acoustic rendition of, um, you know, uh, a hardcore song or something or vice versa is a wildly different arrangement. Uh, but this stuff, this happens all the time. Um, so, you know, a lot of people designate covers um, in this in this realm. So I think you're all right if you just call it a cover song. Okay. Um, this one comes from singer-songwriter Jesse Dunks from Greensboro, North Carolina. How do I find bands to split bills with any research tips or resources for finding good bands to play with? Uh, yeah, I mean, great question. Honestly, uh, the tried and true method of just going out to shows, local shows. I mean, you should really support your hometown music market. Uh, if you don't live in a hometown with a with a big music scene, well, then you might have to drive a little bit. You might have to go out to kind of a, a, the closest local market and start attending shows and meeting musicians that way. That's a that's the tried and true method uh, because you know that they're they can play live, that they do play out, all that stuff. Now. There are other ways to to find uh, artists to play with. Um, Bandcamp is a good resource. You can actually search on Bandcamp, you know, uh, bands in certain genres, and, and you can filter it by cities and genre. And so you can, you know, start there. Um, of course, you can do, you know, go down the, the rabbit hole of Instagram or TikTok and, and um, explore, you know, uh, who, what bands are following which venues, which venues are following which bands. If you're kind of in the local market, you can explore... Um, all of that. But honestly, I say the tried and true method is just get out to shows. Uh, that's the best way to do it. That's where the scenes exist. And the scene will only stay and exist with if we keep it alive. So keep it alive. All right. This question comes from Jeffrey Saxophone Tall Newton. Uh, okay. Jazz saxophonist and pianist from LA. Hollywood. Jeffrey. All right. Is it possible to book festival appearances without a manager or publicist? Um, so, yes, Jeffrey, it absolutely is possible to book festivals without a manager or booking agent or any other team members. Uh, publicists don't typically handle um, festivals. Uh, maybe like some, you know, South by Southwest appearances if they're like brand showcases and or blogs or something like that. But typically, we're talking managers and booking agents are going to be booking festivals. Now, there are hundreds of festivals since you live in in um, the states in LA. There's hundreds, if not thousands, honestly, of festivals around the U.S. Um, I'd encourage you to look at music. I think it's it's Festival Wizard. I should look this up. Um, I believe that's what it's called, Festival Wizard uh, Music. Yeah, Music Uh They have. Most of the festivals of every level, we're talking, um, we're talking both, you know, you know, the big ones like Lollapalooza and Coachella, but they also have the tiny ones on here. Um, so it's like, if you just like look, actually, I'm gonna, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see me share my screen, and if not, that's okay. So here's Music Festival Wizard. Um, let's see, they have actually all countries. So no matter where you live in the world, let's do the United States. And you're in, you said jazz, so let's look at jazz, find your fest. So let's look at the ones, so Jazz in the Gardens, 2023, Miami Gardens, Florida, Savannah Music Festival, 2023 in Savannah, Georgia, Soul in the Desert Festival, Phoenix, Arizona, Seabreeze Jazz Festival, 2023, Panama City Beach, Florida, 
Of course, there's New Orleans Jazz Festival in New Orleans, um, Capital Jazz Festival. So there's tons. There's there's two pages of this. There's um, two, four, five, 10, 15. 20. So there's like, you know, 30, 40 some festivals in 2023 that are featuring jazz music of every level. Um, just in the States, uh, here's Long Beach Jazz Festival. So, you know, the thing is... Um, some of these festivals, especially the smaller ones, uh, they will have a uh, way to submit to them, and you can kind of go through the front door and submit. Uh, the best way I would honestly recommend is look at all of these festivals. So whatever festival you're looking at, the smaller, the better, to be honest. Um, look at last year's lineup first. See if you know any of the bands that played on the festival and hit them up. And, you know, the smaller bands, the better. Be like, hey, uh, you know, big fan of your music. I hope we, you know, play together sometime. I see we have a bunch of mutuals, you know, look at their Instagram and whatever. Uh, Saw that you played the Telluride Jazz Festival or whatever, Newport Jazz or any of these uh, festivals. Saw you played Bratfest in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, uh, How was your experience with it last year? And then, you know, start the conversation. You can just DM them on Instagram. How's your experience? They're like, oh, it was great. And it was like, yeah, we had a good time. It's like, cool. Um, how'd you set it up? You know, who's the talent buyer who mind passing it along? We're looking to get in or whatever. Maybe you have a relationship with them. So that's a that's a way you can absolutely get in. Um, I always recommend finding an in. It's really hard to submit through the front door. And like just a little known um, tip here. Most festivals will have a public submission through the front door, you know, like South by Southwest or uh, Summerfest or any of these festivals um, that take submissions through the front door of bands. Thousands of artists are submitting that way. Your chances of getting selected are, are very small. But there's always a back door. There's always a side door. There's always a way in uh, that might not be super obvious, and that's why you want to get in this way. Um, so for instance, South by Southwest, yes, you can submit through the front door, but guess what? Uh, any showcase, uh, sponsor, anyone, any, any stage sponsor, like we're doing, like Ari's Take is doing this year, gets to book their own lineup. So guess what? Ari's Take, we ran our own little, uh, uh, submission process. And and I went to the email list and was just like, Hey, submit, uh, to play our stage. This was not through South by officially, we got to pick all of our own artists, and um, we we found some incredible artists to put on our stage. Um, you know, some are big, some are more emerging, um, and this is the process that you can actually get in. So there's always a side way in, there's always a back door in. So um, yes, you can submit through the front door, but honestly, ask around, talk to people who do it. Um, every every festival has an in, like I just explained to you, uh, you know, whether it's a, a sponsor that's running the stage and booking their own artists. And yes, we are doing an official South by showcase. If you go to the South by website, you can look up, you know, our stage and see our lineup there. All the artists are getting in the press releases, all that stuff. You'd think that they were selected by South by officially, but they weren't, they were handpicked by the team at Ari's take by, you know, and me. And, uh, that's just kind of how that works. And so, um, it, there's always ways in, uh, the bigger ones, not so much. So, you, you know, if, if you're not, if you're not selling, um, thousands of tickets over tours, uh, and you're not like a super, super, super buzzing artist and, uh, there's no chance really at Coachella, 
um, you know, or Lollapalooza or Bonnaroo, these massive ones. So just don't look at those. Uh, you're not ready for those yet. Um, you, but you can look at all the small local ones that need music. And, the, and there's a lot of ones that are just not hitting, um, you know, uh, a lot of artists aren't hitting those up because they're not super popular. So go to those. Okay. Rough, songwriter producer from New York. Uh, he goes by Rough. And, oh, actually, I saw a few questions. Um, another question from Casey, also in New York, about AI. So uh, Ruff's question was, do you foresee AI being an ally or foe for songwriters and producers? And then um, Casey, also from New York, saying, what are your thoughts on how AI may impact the music industry in the coming years? It seems like these technical advancements are picking up at a scaringly rapid pace. Okay. Um Speaking of South by, we actually hired a um, a graphic designer to design the the showcase poster, um, and they you know they did a decent job on the first first uh, draft, but we're like you know what, uh, not not loving the clip art, uh, and so Mikey on my team and I you know he he pulled up uh, Shutterstock on AI and we're like. What if we did like a robot playing guitar using the South by bold South by colors? We literally told the AI to, to create it. And we found this dope robot playing guitar with the South by colors. We're like, yeah, let's base the posters. Then we sent that graphic to the designer. It was hand drawn, actually. So we're like a hand drawn robot playing, you know. And so then the designer incorporated that hand-drawn, uh, AI-generated robot based on, on uh, you know, our specifications um, to the poster. That's how I'm seeing music going to work, too. It's not going to replace music altogether. We still needed a designer to create a poster with the right lineup, with the sponsors, uh, you know, shift things around a little bit here and there, the correct dimensions. Um, so they're not replacing graphic designers either. Uh, it's just making the job quicker and easier and better. I, I see that with AI music too. So, you know, we have chat GBT. Uh, I was just talking to a hit songwriter the other day, um, and he's written hundreds of songs, many hit songs, many top 40, many top 10 songs. Um, and he's like, you know what? I whip out chat GBT AI, uh, songwriter tool, um, in songwriting sessions, because it's like, sometimes, that analogy is just out of reach. So you can kind of type in, uh, you know, write me a song that deals with these topics in the style of this artist. And they'll pump out a song that is like scaringly pretty close. <laughs> but again, it's not going to replace songwriters completely or producers. I think it's just going to enhance and help um, us along. It, it's a new tool is really what it is. And, and you know, like I think drummers were freaking out uh, when drum loops came out uh, and like, you know, synths and drum loops came out in the 80s and stuff like that. And like uh, it just it, it's an, it's a tool that producers can use that artists can use. Um, but like just like the drum loops in Logic and, and Ableton, whatever, uh, in Splice, uh, they haven't replaced the drummers. It's a tool that producers can use, and and it, as music evolves and the style shifts and evolves, um, yeah, it's going to help uh, songwriters and producers maybe generate ideas, um, and maybe they will uh, help you come up with analogies, uh, with lyrics too, uh, but, you know, 
we are we are many 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 years away from an AI tool being able to generate um, lyrics that are going to penetrate your heart uh, like a human can, um, because there is a soul in a human, and there's no soul in AI. Uh, there's always going to be that human touch and that human component uh, that people humans are going to resonate with. Now, could an AI generate maybe replace EDM producers some songs yeah for the club like you know I mean I know a lot of you uh electronic musicians and artists and producers out there are are coming at me right now and uh I I will admit I'm not the biggest EDM head um I don't have as discerning of an ear but uh there's all different styles of electronic out there right now and uh if you're just looking to bump something in the club, could they create something like that? Yes, I've heard it. It, it. it can be done. But can they create the new Big Thief record? Absolutely not. You know, Can they create the new Phoebe Bridgers record? Of course not. Uh, when you're telling stories that deal with personal um, anecdotes, um, that kind of thing, it, it's it's not happening. Um, you know, but can it get can can it get your wheels turning? Can it get you um, Thinking in a different way, just like a splice loop, you know, like, yes, you could download a, a drum sample, a drum loop from splice and throw that into your session and copy paste for three and a half minutes and like, okay, but yeah, uh, that's not the most creative way to do it. I, you're going to want to manipulate that sample and manipulate the loop and make it your own. So, uh, and you can tell the difference. Um, so just like there's, there's loops and samples and stuff like that. Uh, that's what I'm seeing AI is going to be used for and is being used for. Great questions, though. Real quick, I want to let you know about Two Lost. Two Lost is a new distribution company to the space. And let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder. And yeah, they're very innovative. And when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative. And they are. Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have have fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less-than-legit pub admin services. Well, 2Loss is partnered with BMG. You know it's legit. They offer Instant royalty advances. Uh, This is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front, they can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for 100 grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and get that distributed and um, into your account immediately. They do lyrics and credits distribution for free. They have a very innovative analytics platform where, yes, you will see real-time analytics for Spotify, Apple Music, but also Pandora, Deezer, SoundCloud, and Peloton. They're the only ones that do Peloton. Uh, They also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used, and it will just show you a chart of 
everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register you with SoundExchange, and they have a fraud prevention tool, and they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music, you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue. Uh, they have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out Two Lost. You can just go to twolost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. All right, Ruthie Craft, Austin-based artist. All right, Ruthie, come check out our South by Showcases. Um, I'll see you in Austin soon. All right, Ruthie asks, um, so I'm, I think I'm getting a pretty good handle on how to craft a well-written, concise, and catchy email to talent buyers, managers, and record labels, but I always find myself getting stuck on the subject line. Do you have any advice on what to put in the subject line that will entice these industry professionals to open my email? Love this question. Um, I've, I've experimented with email writing thousands and thousands of emails, um, and how to work this. Now there's different etiquette for talent buyers, for managers, for labels, for music supervisors, uh, for, for booking agents, for artists, and you have to know who you're talking to. So for instance, like I've heard directly from music supervisors, um, uh, okay, let me, let me step back, put yourself in their shoes. Think about what their needs are. That's how you should start off uh, the email uh, before you start writing it. Think about what are their needs. So not what are my needs, you know, because you're probably going into this as like, I need them. Well, that's what you think now, but change your perspective. No, you don't. They need you. Why do they need you? And that's where you can start from. Start from a position of power. Start from a position that like you have something to offer. And if you have something to offer, that's how you can think about the email going into it. So, for instance, uh, help them with their needs. So a music supervisor, for instance, if you uh, if you sound like, I don't know, I'm, I'm Big Thief, but if you sound like Big Thief, I was listening to the record last night, and, um, and you're hitting a music supervisor, and the music supervisor is working on a show, and they use music, um, you know, like folk Americana, like Big Thief, you know, or just working on a movie or just a music supervisor in general that you know of or a sync agent or something like that, your subject line should be sounds like Big Thief. And if they are looking for a Big Thief replacement, meaning they want to use a Big Thief sounding song, they don't have the budget to get Big Thief, they might use you. I've heard this from music supervisors all the time, you know, especially with like bigger bands, like sounds like Coldplay. Well, they can't afford Coldplay because they have five grand for this placement uh, to pay for this placement. And Coldplay won't license their music for five grand, but you would probably. So if you write them and you say sounds like Coldplay, remember you're helping them. You're filling this need. And that music supervisor would be like, wow, I actually need a Coldplay replacement right now. They're going to open your email, be like, maybe this is going to help me. This is serving my needs. So when you think about it, uh, talent buyers, that's an easy one. Uh, The subject line should be uh, the dates that you're looking for um, at their venue. So I would list in the subject line, if they're a talent buyer for multiple venues, you know, list the venue, list the artist name, list the dates, super simple, or the date that you're looking at if you're booking a tour or multiple dates or whatever. That's it. And then the email needs to be super short. 
I'm telling you, don't ever send an email, a cold email to somebody that is longer than eight sentences. Uh, I, I list that number eight. Five is better. Twelve is too long. <laughs> so count your, your count your uh, sentences next time you're writing a cold email to somebody. And you're like, but I, you know, I, but they're going to be enticed by my entire bio. It's like nobody has time, especially if they don't know you. Get to the meat of it. Now, that being said, you can include extra information after your, you know, in your signature and your sign off, or say like more info below, and they can like view that. But like to get to it, you know. If you could, if you can get to your point within four sentences, get to your point within four sentences, and then you can say, you know, thanks so much, uh, signed, you know, Ruthie, and then more info below, and then under your name, you can put like your, uh, you can put uh, your stats, your social stats, press quotes, uh, you know, almost like a one sheet right in your signature there, or you can put links directly out, you know, link to uh, your your new video or your Spotify or Instagram and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I recently, on, on this show, on the New Music Business Podcast, I spoke to two talent buyers, uh, one from the Troubadour and one from the Brooklyn Bowl. Um, and they actually said that they like seeing kind of all of the info in the email, but, you know, below. So you get the first few sentences, get it out of the way. Um, you know, hey, so-and-so, uh, looking to book this show at your venue on this date or these dates. Uh, they want show history. So give them, give them ticket history. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, you have to, again, put yourself in their shoes. They need to know that you're going to sell out their club. Uh, if you're looking at a 250 cap room and uh, you sold 220 tickets at your last show, 215 at the show before that, 185 at the show before that, absolutely, and you're booking a record release show, hit them up and give them that info. Did 215, did 285, you know, they're going to respond really well to that. Like, sweet, they might verify that. They might, you know, email their friends that book those venues and be like, hey, how many tickets did this artist do? So don't lie. Um, but uh, that's a that's an email. That's all they need to know. So it's like, hey, looking to book our record release show at your club on these dates. Here's our ticket history. Uh, let me know if I can grab a hold. That's the email. And then you can say, more info below. And then below your name, you can put, all right, links to live videos. Here's a Spotify. Here's our Instagram. You know, here's our music. Blah, 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 blah. You can put all the stuff there, you know, press quotes and social numbers. And we have X number of listeners here and blah, 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 blah. You know, you can put your promotional ideas is you can add a sentence in there and be like hey we're you know we're gonna be running ads and we have a street team on the ground and we have uh 300 email subscribers in uh this city you know that kind of stuff is enticing but honestly they want the ticket history so if you don't have ticket history well then either team up with bands that do and pitch that uh it's really hard to book a club especially a hard ticketed club if you don't have ticket history um, so you can do it, but then you better have very, very, very strong online numbers, which, and it's not just like, Hey, we have 50,000 monthly listeners. Well, those monthly listeners could be scattered all over the world. But if you can say we have 5,000, uh, listeners just in the city of Austin, um, and we, our number one city on Instagram is Austin and we have, you know, 20,000 followers on Instagram, but our number one city is Austin. Um, that would give me the confidence, absolutely, if I was a talent buyer in Austin, to book you, even if you have no hard ticket numbers. That's that's easy. Okay, I believe those numbers. Now, you know, Spotify numbers, Instagram numbers, TikTok numbers, definitely don't 
necessarily equate to hard ticket sales. We see that all the time. I, you know, we're seeing artists that have millions upon millions of monthly listeners that have a really hard time selling 50, 100, 200 tickets. Um, and then on the flip side, we see artists that are selling thousands of tickets a night that might only have 100,000 monthly listeners. So uh, every talent buyer knows this now. And so they're not going to be... Um, they're not going to be swayed as quickly or as heavily by streaming numbers, social media numbers, but it's part of your package. It's part of the story. So similar with managers, um, with managers, this is starting a relationship now. Um, and I would honestly, um, any manager that you email, open with a compliment. Honestly, that's just like a good rule of thumb, to be honest. Uh, open with a compliment with anyone on a cold email, even those talent buyers. Open with a compliment. They're all human beings. They're people. So open that email with a compliment. Um, and, and the subject line to a manager, honestly, I would put their artist name in the subject line. That will get them to open it. And if you kind of uh, either sound like that artist or you want to play with that artist or whatever, you could even put their artist X, your your name, because um, they'll be like, wait a minute, my artist, I should open this. That's going to get them to open it. If you just put in the subject line, want to manage me? No, nah, that's going straight to the trash, probably going to be you know, put in the spam filter, to be honest. But if you put their artist name in there, it shows, okay, you, and then you open it with it's like... Hey, so and so manager, um, you know, really loving XYZ artist, uh, new song. Congrats on the release. Uh, I saw the rollout plan. Brilliant how you did that. It's a beautiful song. Um, you know, it's been on repeat for me. They take great pride in their artists. So compliment them, celebrate their releases, celebrate what they've been doing. They've been working really hard on releasing their artist song or putting the tour up. Uh, similarly, look at the timing. If their artist just announced a big tour or a big uh, album release or anything, they just announced anything, that is not the time to hit up that that manager. Hit up the manager when their artists, it seems like uh, they're off cycle, you know, uh, that their artists aren't really announcing a lot lately. That will also help you with that, that open. Um, so, um, yeah, hopefully that helps you, Ruthie. Let's keep moving. Um, Joe Ham, drummer, band leader, and music professor from Norfolk, Virginia. I'm a drummer living in Norfolk, Virginia Beach, Virginia. We have tons of talent in Virginia, but the industry doesn't stay here. The question I face is move to a more expensive city where the costs of living are ridiculous or invest in my city and improve the music business and benefit from it. Uh, thinking big picture long term about continuing music full time without teaching music, which as a professor and teaching artist is a bunch of my bread and butter. What is a realistic take on where to live or if that really matters in the digital 21st century industry? Great question, Joe. So this question is completely dependent on what your goals are. Um, you know, if you have my new book, you know, I've updated the entire first chapter talking a completely new approach on goals and goals. You got to create those smart goals, specific, measurable, S-M-A-R-T, specific, measurable, achievable, S-M-A-R, realistic, S-M-A-R-T, time bound, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time bound, S-M-A-R-T, smart goals. If you know what your goals are, 
then you know what you can, uh, where you need to be to achieve them. So if your goal, for instance, is to be a pop songwriter and you want to write and get songs cut by, uh, by pop stars and then yes, you need to be in LA, um, or Nashville, but really LA. Uh, that that's where it happens. You know, it's, it's not really, yes, people are doing virtual sessions over zoom and stuff during COVID, but nobody likes doing that. You got to be out in LA. You got to be doing that. Uh, or, or Nashville a little bit, not so much New York anymore, but well, Danny will kick my ass for saying that or New York. There's the anti-social producers club in New York. Um, check them out. Uh, I love New York, uh, but a lot of the a lot of the songwriters and producers have left New York for L.A. or Nashville. But New York is thriving. Sorry, Danny. <laughs> um, New York is great too. Um, if you want to be a, a songwriter or pop producer, you know, obviously, if you want to be a country songwriter uh, or producer, Nashville is where you want to be. Uh, Hip hop, Atlanta, Miami, you know, Latin, Miami. Uh, these are where the scenes are. So it depends on like what you're looking to do. You're going to be inspired by the talent in your home market. And this is your network. Friends like helping friends. So you're going to make friends with other people in your network and you're going to grow together. So, you know, LA, yes, the cost of living is very expensive as compared to probably Norfolk, Virginia. But there's a lot more money out in LA. There are a lot more opportunities, a lot more gigs. You know, if you're you're a teacher, you said, okay, uh, I don't know what you charge an hour for a lesson, but you could charge probably five times that in um, Beverly Hills. So you know, you can go to Beverly Hills or the Palisades or Bel Air or even the Valley, um, and probably charge you know a hundred, hundred twenty-five an hour for lessons because for kids. Uh, because that's kind of the going rate here. So yes, everything is more expensive. The cost of living is, but you can actually make a lot more money too. You just have to know how to price it. Um, that being said, if your goals are, um, I like how you said, um, invest in my city. I love you investing in your city. I think everyone should be investing in their local communities. You know, when I lived in Minneapolis, um, I loved developing in the scene there and I would go out to shows four or five times a week if I wasn't playing a show. So really think about that, support your local community, support your local network and, uh, invest in that, in that hometown of yours. Uh, I love that too. So really think about if the smart goals that you set for yourself, um, if you can achieve those in your hometown and, and maybe you can, you know, if, if your goals are just kind of doing like, uh, writing for sync or, or just kind of pumping out music, uh, online or, or live streaming on Twitch or whatever. Yes, you can do that from home. You don't need to be in an expensive city. Absolutely. Uh, if you want to be playing live, develop as an artist, uh, it definitely helps to be surrounded by other artists hustling and doing that as well. Like in the music hubs, um, you know, and again, songwriter, producer, those are the hubs for that. Okay. Uh, Luke, indie artist from North Carolina. All right, Asheville. Hey, Ari. So what is the process for officially releasing a cover song on a streaming platform? Are there certain things that you need to obtain before release, such as copyright permissions, royalty agreements? If so, how do you obtain those things? For context, I've been sitting on a recording of a cover that I keep coming back to, and I plan on releasing it sometime in the near future. I just want to be sure that I do my due diligence as a professional, as I've heard different things on the subject. Thank you so much again 
for all that you do. Ari, cheers, man. Cool. Well, I think I answered this already earlier. Um, you need to get that uh, mechanical license. You can get it. Most distributors these days, uh, you know, will help you release the cover song. Super easy to do. You don't need permission. You don't need to obtain anything else. Uh, royalty agreements, copyright permissions. No. For cover songs, it's very easy. Uh, if your distributor, honestly, whatever distributor you're using, you know, DistroKid has a checkbox. You pay uh, a little bit of money, and uh, they handle all of the um, licenses and and um, the reporting. Uh, I think I don't know. If, I don't think CD Baby does anymore or TuneCore, but uh, some of the others, just whatever, they all have help articles on how to do this. So whoever you're using as a distributor, Symphonic, you know, um, they have uh, articles on what they recommend. Um, but you don't honestly, legally, you don't really need, uh, to pay for this anymore because like I said, in the streaming era, the streaming services are required to, um, they are, they are required to pay those mechanicals out to the publishers. So you can find a distributor and just put who the songwriter is in there. And if you're not selling downloads, um, which most people aren't really anymore, um, you know, you can just release it. And you'll be fine. Okay. Bo James Wilding from uh, Carpentaria. Uh, Carpentaria. Apparently, that's a city in California. Cool. Um, I just looked it up. I just released a single and am about to release another single and full album. My promotional budget is $7,000. I've already spent $4,000 for a publicist retainer. Is it better to spend the remaining $3,000 on IG, YouTube, Spotify optimization or on college and non-commercial radio promotion? My social numbers aren't great in spite of pretty consistent posting. My genre is gritty, folk, folk rock, folk punk, experimental folk. All right, Bo, I wish you would have asked me this question before you hired that $4,000 publicist. Um, I'm just going to throw it out there saying that manage those expectations. I think you're going to be wildly disappointed by the publicist. Um, I don't know who your publicist is, but I can already tell you that in 2023, um, you should really only be hiring a publicist if uh, you can, if you have money to spare, which I don't know who has money to spare, but honestly, like, or you're at that level where you have a story that a publicist can help get out there. And I mean a story like you uh, are nominated for a Grammy. That's a story. Publicists can help you with that. I know you're like, all right, nominated, get out of here. Okay. But also, um, if you have uh, famous friends or or you know if jack white just said you're the greatest living artist of all time publicists can blast that out and they will put in the subject line jack white says this is the greatest artist of all time every media outlet's going to open that and be like what they love jack white they know you know and then that's a story that they can blast out that's uh, a new artist has a folk art album coming out you're going to probably get a lot of, believe me, I, I've been hiring publicists recently. I know what they're capable of and what they're not capable of, even with brilliant music. This could be the greatest album of all time. Um, I don't recommend spending money on publicists these days. Um, you know, and this is from somebody spending money on publicists these days. Uh, it, it has to be part of the full package. Now, there are certain, let, let's, let, let, me, let me step back and zoom out a little bit. It's all about your intentions and your goals. 
if you are, uh, what, what can press help you with these days? Press can help tell your story. So if somebody hears your song, you know, press is not for discovery anymore. Don't get me wrong. This is, this is not, uh, no one is discovering music from reading media outlets, blogs anymore. Um, what it's for is somebody hears your song, uh, either on a playlist or on TikTok or somebody, a friend plays it for them or on, you know, uh, digital radio, whatever they hear the song and then they Google you and press articles will help, will populate and that will help tell your story. So publicists can help you get that, but so can submit hub. So if you're just looking for, uh, something to populate Google, spend 50 bucks on submit hub to get some blog articles written. Don't spend $4,000 on a publicist. Um, you know, they can they can help populate some of that stuff, too. They can also help if they really love you and really believe in your music. Now, be very careful here because a lot of publicists are just trying to make the buck and they'll say they love you and believe in you. But they have connections. They are working uh, campaigns for bigger artists or labels or booking agencies or something like that. They might be able to make those connections, you know, the powerful ones that really have that. But I would I would ask those questions up front. Before you sign with a publicist, ask them what realistically they think that they can achieve for you. Have a target list of um, the media outlets. So, uh, you know, you should be clear about this. Like, what are the expectations here? What do they think they can do? And then hold them accountable. If you say these are the 20 publications that I'm interested in, do you think you can realistically get me um, a write-up in them? Then... If they say yes, okay, hold them accountable. At the end of this campaign, if they haven't gotten you a single one, I'd ask for my money back. Now, how publicists work is their business model is they get paid no matter what. They get paid whether they get you one write-up, a thousand write-ups, zero write-ups. Um, you know, and oftentimes they're gonna breast blast out media releases, press releases. Some outlets will just reprint those press releases. Um, you know, and some outlets these days, believe it or not, are pay to play. Uh, some of the bigger outlets right now, um, they will um, they will uh, write about you if you pay them. Meaning, um, you know, an outlet might, um, you know, I heard like Flaunt Magazine um, or, the, I mean, I have a whole list of these that are pay to play right now. Um, you know, not all of them all the time, but, but many of them do. Um, you pay them a few hundred bucks and they will write about you. Um, there's nothing illegal about this. And, you know, journalistic ethics have been thrown out the window when people stop subscribing to publications because they got to make a living too. So um, this is kind of uh, against a lot of publicists and journalistic um, you know, belief systems, but that's just the reality of the era right now we're in. Uh, even Rolling Stone was doing this for a minute. Um, you know, so it's like you can pay publications directly. There are some publicists that have new business models that will say, um, you know, uh, pay a thousand dollar and we will guarantee you a couple write-ups in these various publications. Um, and here's a list of, of 20. And, you know, they'll go to the publications and the publications uh, can say yes or no. So that if they want to keep their quality up. But honestly, it doesn't really hurt them if they just post about you and they don't post about it on social media and it's in the back end of their website or whatever. You can publicize it. Win win for everybody, I guess. 
Um, so sorry, Bo. I know this is not what you want to hear because you already hired a publicist. Um, all right. So you asked about $3,000. Again, it's what are your goals? So like uh, getting press and media looks, that can help with verification. If your goals are you want to get verified on TikTok or Instagram for your own reasons, they love seeing press. That's a reason to get press. Um, you know, Wikipedia, if you need a Wikipedia page, that lo- they love seeing press too. Press can help you with your pitches for Spotify editorial. Nothing's guaranteed. But again, no one's discovering it. Uh, should you use it for college or non-commercial radio promotion? Uh, I don't know, man, I haven't heard about commercial, like college radio promotion in like 15 years and 10 years. I don't, I don't know who's doing that anymore or why you would do that. Um, so, so that's a, that's a resounding no. Um, I'm not sure what the point of that would be. Um, that's not how people are discovering music anymore either. Even college students, they're not listening to college radio. They're fine discovering music on TikTok and then listening to it on Spotify. So um, should you hire uh, someone who specializes, you know, if it's again, it's about what your intentions are like, okay, you'd make folk, rock, folk, punk, experimental folk. Yeah, I mean, um, there is uh, you can run ads. Um on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube that will target that specific niche. Uh, that's a decent use of your money. Um, you know, you can hire um, coaches to help you with that strategy. Now, um, I, I think there's a lot of repulsion repulsion right now to uh, people who are like say, oh, you got to, you know, be on TikTok and whatever. And you don't, you know, if it doesn't resonate with you, but it is a powerful promotional tool. So whatever your goals are, if you're looking to, if you're looking to find that folk experimental folk community, I would research. I would pick out. This is what I would do. I would pick out ten similar artists that came out within the last three years because the shit changes very quickly. Um, artists that are small to mid level that that you respect that came out within the last three years, and then research where how did they blow up? How did they break out? Um, one write-up or even 10 write-ups in uh, newspaper, local magazines, local publications, blogs, podcasts, whatever, is most likely probably not how they built their audience. But it does give legitimacy and uh, validity. And, you know, if you get a write-up in a good Roots magazine or something like that, yeah, that can can help uh, give you validity and can help your fans celebrate it and people who discover your music elsewhere to come in and be like, oh, wow, I'm going to learn a bit about this. And, and uh, yeah, I respect that publication's taste and everything like that. Um, so, uh, you know, you have the money. Uh, I just spoke to a TikTok expert yesterday. He's like, don't even think about a, um, a an influencer marketing campaign if you don't have at least ten dollars to $15,000. And even that amount for an influencer marketing campaign it's it's almost like hiring a publicist. It's like hit or miss. You're going to pay these influencers to make videos with your music. It might catch, it might not. You might be you might have just wasted 15 grand. So, uh that's also not like uh, a great way to do it. Running ads is is honestly one of the the uh tried and true, tried and true as the last 3 4 years <laughs> that you're going to generate results. But again, you know, what are your goals? What are your intentions? Um, you can run campaigns within Spotify. There are, you know, there's discovery mode right now that's in Spotify. That's very new. 
Uh, it is starting to be rolled out. Ask your distributor if you have this uh, discovery mode. Make sure you're following um, Spotify's recommendations on how to release music. You know, regularly. There's the waterfall technique on on how to. Um, you know, release to trigger the Spotify algorithms and all of that stuff. So again, it's about your goals. It's about your intentions. What are you looking for? Um, And uh, that is, um, you know, the budget, seven grand is a very healthy promotional budget. And uh, we can kind of dig into a deeper conversation as well of where to put that. So for right now, I'm going to, I'm going to pause that. Hopefully this was helpful. This is probably part one of like maybe part three or four parts because I have hundreds of questions to get through. I'm not going to get through all of them, but maybe I'll get to yours. Um, All right. So until next time, thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day. Today's episode was edited by Maxton Hunter, theme music by Brassroots District, and produced by all the great people at Ari's Take. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com.